after, uh, almost immediately following the, uh, the injunction hearing that seeing a permanent injunction enforced over at Landback Lane, as well as the permanent injunction being put on every road in Haldeman County, which is all of Six Nations territory, uh, OPP rolled up shooting rubber bullets. Uh, I pulled uh, some taser darts out of my brother's back. This is the violence that we've been talking about with the OPP coming down here. And so now, uh, as a result of this, the uh, Highway 6, again, has been blocked. The train tracks bordering our community have been blocked. Argyle Street has been blocked. This is what happens when you come to a community such as ours and try and enforce these injunctions uh, put on put on indigenous lands uh, by racist judges. And so when the OPP come in, guns a-blazing, letting rubber bullets fly past the ears of uh, uh, women sitting around the fire, this is an absolutely ridiculous concept. Not anybody that is uh, uh, watching any of this unfold. I think uh, people across, all across Turtle Island are starting to stand up and understand that we can't tolerate this anymore, and we won't. Our people are standing up across the nation. And so as long as we stick together and stay together and we uh, amplify each other's voices, there's nothing that we can't accomplish. So we're calling on our allies uh, across all of Turtle Island to uh, stand up and help amplify our voices. And uh, come on down and support Landback Lane and uh, Six Nations community as a whole as we uh, make our voices heard in this situation right now. So there you go. This is John Kane, and this is Let's Talk Native. This is a special Friday night broadcast of Let's Talk Native uh, with our uh, coverage of the OPP raids on. 1492 Landback Lane and Six Nations. Uh, my guest is Skylar Williams. Uh, Skylar joined us a couple of months ago uh, at, when, when a, there was a lot of activity associated with, um, with resisting some of this development on disputed lands. Uh, and things kind of heated up again. So uh, I've invited Skylar back. I have to um, uh, caution listeners. There, there are things happening moment by moment. So we're going to try to do a, a pretty in-depth interview here. But um, Tyler assured me he couldn't promise me that. that I'm sorry, Skyler. I'm sorry, Skyler assured me, uh, warned me that he could be pulled off the off the line here uh, because of some of the things that are going on. So, uh, Skyler, thank you so much for joining me, taking some time out. I know things have got to be really pr- kind of hectic where you are, where you are. So, thanks for giving me some time here. Yeah, absolutely, and do what I can, anyways. Well, and 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 again, it's always difficult because nobody wants to be the focal point of of a conflict, and and as much as you are involved in this thing, this these things can't happen without a lot of participation. And I know you've got um, you know a lot of people in the community that are there, and while you have offered yourself up to this interview i i don't want to um put i don't want to give you you know any kind of uh uh a dangerous level of credit or blame here so uh but you are involved <laughs> and so i want i figure you're a good person you know, to talk to like the uh the, the role that i've 
uh, played in this has been only as a spokesperson here. Like I, uh, I take no leadership role in, in any of it. It's just, uh, uh, you know, a great community of people that have uh, really pulled together to, to make this all happen. And so I've just gotten pushed into the role as the spokesperson to be able to carry the message that uh, I think everybody that uh, has been around here for the last 97 days today uh, has uh, been been saying. Well, let's get, give a little bit of a rundown on, uh, look, there were some legal proceedings. Uh, kind of give a little bit of a the, the breakdown on, on what's transpired over the last few days. Yeah, so we uh, we fought the injunction. Uh, there was a, a court injunction placed on, uh, on the people at Landback Lane. Uh, August 5th, the cops raided. Uh, we managed at that time to push them, push them back and uh, get back on the land. Uh, it's the land there at Landback Lane is like right at the doorstep of our community. It's like a like the neighboring property to to uh, Six Nations. Six Nations is a big reserve, um, and uh, so in, uh, for us, anyways, it was about just that kind of further encroachment on uh, on our traditional lands. And so we, as a community, had said no on several occasions to development going on, and uh, so. Uh, my family and uh, uh, some friends of mine uh, got together and we said, you know, that uh, and, and their families all got together and said, you know what, we're going to we're going to put a we're going to put a stop to this. And uh, and so we went in, uh, went in uh, July 19th and uh, and have been there since it's been uh, yeah 97 days today. Well, and, and to be clear. This land, you say it's on the doorstep of uh, of your community, but it's it's a part of that land that is disputed as to whether uh, how title of that land could have been stripped away from the community. So, as far as they're concerned, it may be outside, but as far as you're concerned, it, it should be land that that is uh, you know a, a part of uh, of the community to live in. Absolutely, it has, and that's the thing is. When we say our traditional territory, I mean I, I don't mean this is you know a thousand years ago. I, I mean this is as in my grandmother's time, like this was part of our community, and so for those lands to be um, stripped away from our community uh, and uh, made part of the neighboring uh, Haldeman County is uh, is absolutely ridiculous for for all of us. And so uh, we've been uh, we've been saying that like we need to have. Uh, the ability for our community to be able to grow and do all the things that every other community across the country uh, in the U.S. is no different. If a community wants to be able to grow and thrive as a community, as a town or whatever, they need to be able to grow. And uh, and as our population grows, our, our community's got nothing but smaller. And so for us to, to say no um, uh, meant that the OPP came in to enforce this injunction that the uh, developer had gotten uh, just several days before they raided uh, the camp on August 5th. Uh, so they they applied to the court to uh, get this injunction. They were granted it without having any argument from from our side at all. And then the uh, uh, OPP came in with about 100 OPP officers. Uh, I think there was 12 of us there that day. Uh, they ended up arresting nine of us. Uh, dragging women away, uh, uh, shooting rubber bullets at people. And mind you, when I say rubber bullets, they don't 
yell out first, hey, these are rubber bullets. These things come out of a 12-gauge shotgun. And, uh, and uh, yeah, they're letting those fly right, uh, right directly at you. And so uh, at the time and for a couple of days afterwards, uh, we had no idea that they were rubber bullets. And uh, and so we thought they were firing live rounds at us. And so, uh, so yeah, so then uh, a couple of people got tasered. And uh, one kid got his face dragged along the pavement. Uh, uh, I call him a kid. He's not a kid. He's uh, twenty something. And yeah, and uh, and so yeah, uh, myself and eight other people were arrested that day. Uh, when I got out of when I got out of the lockup, the uh, uh, highways and roads and railways were all shut down. And, let me let me uh, back. I want to back up just for one thing because I don't want too much time to go before yeah. I address rubber bullets uh you know for people who don't know what they're what we're talking about here these are designed to be less than lethal rounds only if they are shot at the at the at the body of a, of a person if you shoot somebody in the face with these things and when you talk about these rubber bullets flying by people oftentimes these things are are whizzing by people's face and head these can be lethal and 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 we've seen this on the US side we've seen it you know throughout Canada now they're using these um these so-called less than lethal weapons in a way that is outside the way the manufacturer even designs these for so when they're using these these tear gas canister canisters or these concussion grenades or even some of these you know a, a, a lot of the the pepper spray and what people are calling tear gas they're using some of these things in inappropriate ways that makes them more lethal and they certainly make them um you know a, a, a higher grade of, of, of a use of force than even the way they're intended. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, on that day, like these, these uh, rubber bullets were whizzing by our ears. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, I know they were definitely, uh, there's uh, several rounds shot that day and a couple of them, you know, narrowly missing myself and the brother standing next to me. Mm-hmm. And so when, uh, uh, we managed to retake the land there. We uh, and have been there since then. Uh, our, our community came out in a huge way to say that you know like this was not going to be tolerated, and uh, and so the um, the OPP uh, backed off, and uh, um, as they de-escalated, so did we, and we allowed them their their road back and their their rail rail line back, and uh, the highway, and so we uh, uh, managed to, to let that happen. And then, uh, you know, and then weeks and months went by, and things started to, you know, kind of calm back down. And then, uh, um, uh, people started getting arrested, you know, going home, going to work doing all of the things that you know people do so they're, they're and, kind of picking uh, they're kind of picking people off not necessarily at a specific site but trying to identify people right. and picking people off okay yep and so like they were just getting pictures of people at the camp or wherever mm-hmm. and uh, uh driving in or out and getting license plate numbers that kind of thing and and eventually they would get arrested and uh yeah and then so that kind of went on for a bit we started to uh fight the injunction the judge in this case uh came over the top of our our defense 
and said that uh, he wasn't going to allow me to defend myself in their in their courtroom because um, because I was still on the land and I was violating the injunction that he had put on us. And so when we said, well, we're not going anywhere, uh, but we are willing to come to the to the court to uh, to to argue our case, that and for whatever reason they the the judge decided that that wasn't good enough that I needed to um, I needed to go home. So so essentially, they treated it as if you guys were not contesting the injunction because they refused to let you guys even uh, offer any evidence. Well, and that was that. That's just it, right? Is every time we would because uh, uh, we did file all of our uh, all of our all of our material uh, with the court, and then uh, as we started to do that, the judge then uh, decided that uh, if I wasn't going to follow his orders to leave the land there and let development go on because it wasn't because here's the thing is if he would have, if he would have decided and said, um, uh, that development is going to stop. Uh, if you guys go home and the development stops and everything, then you know what? I'd say, all right, no, no problem. If development's going to stop, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I got no problem with that. But uh, the, me going home it was uh, also meant that development was going to start to happen again, and so we uh, we said no that that's that's not going to be the, not going to be the case, and the judge would not listen to uh, anything that we had to say after that point, and uh, and so chose to uh, rule on a. On, on the case and said that there was going to be a permanent injunction uh, that, you know, would uh, permanently extinguish uh, our claim over the land forever. So and and for this us. is what this is what came a couple of days ago. That's right. OK. And so at this point, so, you guys are still oh. you guys are still in on, on one site or do you have two spots that you guys were uh, were, were still somewhat assembled? Uh, yeah, no, we've, uh, uh, since the last raid, uh, uh, six and six, uh, which is just like at the back door of our camp, we, uh, uh, have a trail that goes from, uh, one camp to the other, but that borders our reserve. And so, uh, our people would be able to come in and render aid should, uh, OPP, uh, raid us again. So this, this, this permanent junction, which essentially, again, permanently enjoins you. It basically is telling you that you permanently cannot, um, you know, step foot on, on, uh, you know, on these, uh, on this disputed land. And that came a couple of days ago. And then this, this raid uh, happened uh, almost immediately after that. Uh, Well, that's the thing is when we, when we started, we came back to camp after, after court. And, uh, and as we, um, came came back at at that back door that uh, six and six right next to their camp. They uh, there was uh, uh, two OPT SUVs sitting there with eight cops, eight cops sitting in them, and uh, a couple of people approached them and and said, "Hey, like you guys shouldn't be here. Like these are spiking things up here for no reason." Uh, and they said that, "Well, we're here to arrest." Uh, arrest somebody and 
from our camp. Mm. And uh, and so the, the person that approached them left, and then another person went, and then another person went, and uh, after I think it was you know three or four people had went up and asked them quite quite nicely, like you know, like you guys need to leave, like you guys are going to spike things up here for absolutely no reason whatsoever, and uh, and we don't want to see that happen. And so when uh, when uh, uh, I see why somebody had told them like it, there's you know no reason for you to for you to be doing this and no reason for you to be here and uh and we told them like like there's you know somebody's going to take offense to you being here and then uh as i got there um, uh the cops were already out of the cars and had these big uh 12 gauge shotguns pointed at uh at our people and uh, it started to fire started to fire on the on you know unarmed people that were you know just trying to tell them to get get on out of here now give, give me a you sense know, for like, when you, when stop. they started firing how far away from uh the people they were shooting at how far away were they 15 20 feet okay not very far at all and now uh, one young, they told one you... young guy got shot in the back of the leg oh yeah uh, another guy another guy got tasered and uh he came up to me after and i had pulled the darts out of his back from the, hmm. the wires and so it was uh now, when they did that, did they arrest people as well? Did they try to arrest people? Uh, they were trying to, yes. Now, they yeah. suggested to the first people who approached them that they were there to arrest people. Now, was there any indication that they had warrants for arrest, or were, were they going there essentially to incite a situation where they could arrest a person for the behavior that they were a part of uh, inciting? Uh, they did not specify who they were there to see. Okay. And so right now, you guys still have not been notified that they have an arrest warrant for anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, there's one for myself, and I think there's like 18 more that are outstanding. Hmm, okay. So they fired upon so some I'm, people, and uh, and then then what was your response? Uh, when I got there, yeah, the, 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 everything was happening, and so we approached the cops again, even... Uh, again, unarmed, and and told them that you know we, with some raised voices, and uh, um, told them that they need to leave. And then as we started yelling at the cops, the uh, uh, telling them that it's time to go. Then uh, uh, more and more of our people from the reserve started to started to show up, and um, uh, people were were quite upset. And then uh, some roads got uh, the road that right there got blocked. Uh, and then as the night progressed, the uh, OPP uh, continuing to uh, uh, to puff their chest uh, started coming up closer again. And uh, the rail lines got blocked that border reserve, and the highway that borders our reserve also got blocked. And so since then, there's uh, now there's. Uh, uh, big holes in the middle of roads uh the, so the pavements uh, the, the pavement's been uh busted up uh to do a little bit yeah, more than just the pavement is so they're not just blocked by yeah. by people and by vehicles at this point um the the um did i and did i see like is there like uh, sand or dirt that's been dumped on a few places as well uh no no that's just the dirt from the hole okay okay 
All right. <laughs> I I've seen some of the videos and some of the some of the images. So so basically now the the roads have been um been been tore up uh, and that can, and that's part of blocking blocking the roads. At some point did you literally chase the I mean I got the impression that the the, the cops were almost chased out of there. They were they were they were walked out of here. Absolutely they were. Mm-hmm. Uh and several more times to push them back further than is that every every time they they keep on encroaching closer and closer every time, mm-hmm. and so as they want to push the envelope to to see uh, in this particular situation where uh, the cops approach, uh, there was a drone flying overhead, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, they were able to you know uh, gain some aerial shots. Like they knew what they were doing and inflaming the situation, and and so this was. Uh, this was just a, a, uh, them trying to uh, spark a situation that would see, you know, the further criminalization of, uh, of the people that have made this stand here. Mm-hmm. Now, and, and I think it's, got, it's people have to know that, look, our, our community, so, and I, I include, you know, Six Nations, uh, Oswego, uh, you know, Aquasasni, you know, uh, Ganawage, Ganazadage, you know, all of our territories, um, and and it's not just Mohawk territories, but but many of our territories, we, and, and I want to say this carefully because I don't I don't want to make it I don't want to inflame the situation, but but we hunt, we ha- we have guns, and 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 we're <laughs> and we're we are somewhat hesitant to to bring them out um, just to put them on display. And I and I know that the RCMP, the OPP, the Q, the SQ in, in Quebec, I know that they have always been leery uh, of of just how much resistance we will put up. And, and so, any time that we've had a, a skirmish of some sort with these these guys, I think they've always had some apprehension about not just the fact that look, we we have. You know we have weapons in, in in our homes, and but we also have some people that have military training. I mean, going back to the earlier conflicts in 1990 and even before that, there were many of our guys who had Vietnam experience and and, and experience in you know you know fairly recent military experience. So I know this always catches them, you know, and, and leaves them a little a little on edge. And and I and I haven't seen anything that that showed our people brandishing weapons against them. But it's got to be in their minds all the time that they never know. And and this idea of pulling the trigger even on rubber bullets, like you said, these are shotguns. So when they start f- touching off live rounds, regardless, you know, of how they want to characterize these rounds, it really must put things right to the edge of of our own people, you know, you know being willing to shoot back. You know what, and that's been uh, at the back of my mind since the beginning of this, and so it, it uh, it's certainly a uh, an awful thought for, uh, and I would hope that the OPP would understand that, like uh, continuing with these um, uh, the tactics that they've been using are are you know don't lead to anywhere good. Well, and and again, it's not to say that that you as a group or, you know, or native people as a group are threatening, you know, you know, to kill anybody, but it all it takes is somebody to get, you know, 
agitated with the with the activity of the police to the point where they say, no, I'm not going to take it anymore. And, you know, and so you we could have that individual who who ends up, you know, pulling, you know, pulling out a weapon uh, just because these guys are inflaming the situation. And it's not an organized plan to, you know, to attack the police. But, man, they better be careful what they wish for. And, you know, I've I've uh, uh, I've done every bit possible to make sure that uh, that doesn't come uh, come to that in this particular situation we've maintained our peaceful presence on the on our camp for as long as we as long as we have and uh, and, uh, and you know I'm working very hard every day to make sure that we maintain that peaceful presence on our territory well and I, I you know one of the things that the, the the phrase that gets thrown out there is you know when they talk about asymmetric war- warfare one of the things that came out you know back you know when the I don't know more movement was uh, was really starting to to rise up um, they they have these things that called their McDonald Laurier reports and they had a guy who was a, a writer and, and actually wrote a novel about native uprising and and his name was Douglas bland and he, and he wrote this McDonald Laurier report where he had used a an Ivy League developed computer model to determine the likelihood of an insurgency and he plugged in all of Canadian uh, Canada's data into that and it, and it talked about everything from their weak infrastructure how exposed it is how unprotected it is and the conditions that Canada has been imposing upon native people and the determination was that Canada was creating the Canada was creating a situation where they were stirring the pot to the point that there was a, a fairly good likelihood that and it, this wasn't our territories necessarily this talked about native people from out west to you know from from you know bc to uh, to to newfoundland and the uh, you know this this report had suggested that the only thing that lacked a a major um insurgency was um, a little bit of the disorganization from territory to territory. But every time they do this thing, they actually get more and more of our people working together and standing in solidarity, like the guys in Tindanega st- supporting the, the folks in uh, Wet'suwet'en territory back in February. And, and of course, now this, uh, this white supremacist action going against the Mi'kmaq up in, uh, in Nova Scotia is, is heightening everybody's sense of solidarity. It just seems like Canada just keeps pushing this trigger farther and farther along. And I think this is exactly what we've been saying. And I, and I know for me, especially, like, um, uh, I know here in the Six Nations, when the West Wetton and uh, my brothers in Tandanaga were, uh, were raided, we, uh, uh, we blocked the, the highway again uh, that borders our reserve uh, in support of that. Mm-hmm. We maintained that barricade for several weeks and so it's uh it's something that you know when we amplify each other's voices the way that we've done in the last uh uh several years now where we've you know worked together to make sure that every time every single time that uh uh, indigenous communities uh stand together and make these uh make these stands as long as we're able to do uh, do that together, the the, uh, the power that we have as united communities is uh, you know is undeniable. And it's something that you know that there's no government, there's no police force, there's no uh, 
uh, anything, uh, and certainly not a Haldeman County court can uh, extinguish any of our rights when we uh, are willing to go to bat for those rights with our with our bodies, with our lives, and for most of us, our freedoms. Well, and here's the here's the thing. Also, is right now because so many of our territories, including on the southern border, if you think about you know the the pushback that the Odom are putting against Trump's wall, and and you know, and again, so this is it's happening in so many places that one of the things that has got to be uh, should be a real concern on both the U.S. and the Canadian side is that we don't need to send ten thousand people to any given spot. I mean, uh, you know, when when the the Dakota Access Pipeline issue was going on, yeah, a lot of people converged there, and that strategy wasn't the strategy that that, that we have employed in in, in certainly in you know, Haudenosaunee territory. We've always said, no, you don't need to come here. You need to do something at home. You need to block a highway. You need to block a railway. You need to you, you need to demonstrate where you live. Uh, your solidarity for what's happening. And this makes the pain go a lot farther than, than, you know, trying to get a bunch of people to show up uh, it, it, like with the Mi'kmaq. Look, I think it'd be great for people to go up there and defend against these white mobs of white supremacists. But at the end of the day, the more effective strategy is when we do are these actions in solidarity with each other, right where we live, because that makes it even harder for Canada and the United States to defend themselves. And I think that's I think we we are echoing the very same sentiments. And if uh, you know we're going to take the these words from a judge like the one in uh, in our particular case, uh, which we are appealing, by the way, um, but are uh, uh, trying to you know push that argument forward that uh, we as Ongoloi people across Turtle Island. It's it is it is in the mass of people that we have, you know, like taking like our communities have been divided up and put on these little postage stamps scattered across all of all like all of North America, and then they thought they could take advantage of this by running, uh, you know, rail lines, and pipelines, highways, power lines, all that stuff. Yeah, all the power lines, everything goes through native communities and that's no different here in six nations as i'm sitting here now at the camp there is uh four of these massive 500 volt uh transmission lines five lines of them mm-hmm. running in like and so like when the governments and uh politicians thought that they could take advantage of native communities in such a way like i i, I just I, it it pains me to know like you know, like look what they've done to themselves. Like, well, and, and that's what kind of was that's what was all laid out. That was all laid out in that McDonald Laurier report back back then, because they acknowledged that their infrastructure was not only um, somewhat weak and fragile, but it was it was unprotected. And and so they look they've they've got their own studies that suggest that. And and I think the thing that people have to understand is that when we talk about shutting down a rail system. Basically, Canada's rail system got shut down in February. I mean, this was before COVID shut anything down. That this was happening because you know, multiple territories, not just Tain the Neg, but multiple territories had done done this. And so, I mean, just rail alone. And you you mentioned power lines, but there's there's communication lines. There's you know there's all kinds of infrastructure that look. 
you know, people can, you know, you know, call it anything they want to call it, but this is nonviolent direct action. These are the actions that we need to take because we don't want to get in, into a gunfight with these guys. We don't want to see a loss of life. We can actually make our stand without drop, without one drop of blood or without one hair on anybody's head being hurt because they, again, foolishly, uh, you know, tried to scatter us to to where we seemed insignificant, but in the very place that they scattered us is where they want to put some of their development. Not just pipelines and rail lines, but even in even back in Ganazadage, they are under the threat of trying to put in these condos in the very spots that the, that the whole Oka Ganazadage crisis was fought over back in 1990. It's like they don't learn a damn thing. Absolutely, I agree. Very like. One hundred percent. Tell uh, me this, uh, Skyler. Do um do you have any um uh, any fundraising link or uh, or campaign um that you could uh, that that you could rattle off now or get to me later so we can post it up on uh uh, when you know with this uh, when we as we broadcast all this. I think it's really important because you you guys are obviously incurring some expense, not only to your community, but even for your legal aid. Is there something that you guys have in place? Uh, yeah, so we have uh, uh, two funds going, actually. We've got one for kind of the camp and, uh, you know, food and uh, uh, building fund because mm-hmm. uh, we are planning on uh, spending the winter there and so making sure we have insulated buildings that are, are, are going to manage to be able to, to uh, you, know, with, you know, withstand all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, yeah, we got that going, and that's uh, landback, the number six, nations at gmail.com uh, for e transfers. Um, uh, and PayPal is linked to that as well. Um, but then there's also the GoFundMe for the legal defense. Okay. Uh, and so, right now, we're hoping to be able to raise uh, $500,000. Now, do you have a, do you have a uh, name for the Go, GoFundMe campaign? Uh, 1492 Landback Lane. All right. Okay. All right. Well, and, uh, well not only are people are people going to not only are people going to hear this, but we'll we'll try to post the links as we put the video up and that kind of thing. So, uh, uh, and we'll do what, awesome. we, what we can to you know to look. I know it's tough because I I mean I'm I'm included in that group of people that that sit here thinking what the hell can I do to help and and obviously you know we we need to concentrate on what we can do in our own communities to to support each other um sometimes this idea of again thousands of people showing up someplace yeah it makes a good visual but then you've got to figure out how you feed everybody then you got to feed out how you you know house everybody so sometimes the knee-jerk reaction to just jump in the car in the old days you know my generation that's what we did because we just jumped in a car and went and uh but there was there we're talking about hundreds not thousands nowadays with uh with social media and everything else we need to make sure that we organize how we um how, you know how we demonstrate our solidarity so the, I think these GoFundMe accounts, the PayPal, uh, we'll, we'll put all those links up and, uh, and you know, look, we'll, we'll do our part. And, and, and here's the thing I also want to tell you. You can feel free to reach out to me anytime. I know this is, you know, we've had, we had you on a couple of months ago. I've been following this stuff. Obviously, I, you join, I joined the, the group pages and, um, and I bring this thing up. I even, I, I got to tell you, I got to do a debate with somebody because, there was there was somebody who was of um uh has, has, I think they were from the Caribbean or or 
or something, but they, they thought it was inappropriate that, that you use 1492 without mentioning the Taino and the Arawak specifically. And I, and I tried to tell them, look, when we reference 1492, we are including what our, our brothers and sisters from the Caribbean experienced at the hands of Christopher Columbus and every year since then. But, um, you know, sometimes we have to like go through in, in such great detail to explain what our intents are, I guess, or what our intentions are. And I think this is something that uh, is something you'll hear me harp on all the time. It's like, you know, there's lots and lots of stuff to be offended about. and There's lots of stuff to be angry about. And you know what? I got no blame for people in my community or any other community that, uh, you know, you know, this is what, you know, 500 years of hurt and oppression and racism and residential school and over-incarceration and over-policing or under-policing, missing and murdered indigenous women. Like this is what all of that hurt over the last 500 years looks like Mm -hmm. and so i I got a hard time blaming somebody for you know being hurt not being heard and not having whatever their experience is and so i i i I try my very best to have the thickest as thick a skin as i can have to be able to uh to do this work because like and i tell you you can't you, you absolutely cannot do this stuff without having that thick skin and uh broad shoulders to be able to bear the brunt of, you know, all of the hurt from our own community. Well, and you you also can't do this without offending a few people because at the end of the day, these are hard, con- <laughs> these are hard conversations. And, and look, we know that when we take a stand on something that there is going to be pushback and sometimes even within our own communities. And, and it usually, when you look back at something years later, it all sounds like it was great. <laughs> Everybody was on one page, but when you're living it, man, you got sometimes people in your own family who are saying, you know, you shouldn't be doing this and you shouldn't be doing that. And, and if you, you know, you, you drop a, a few F-bombs here and there. People will talk about how inappropriate you are. But look, you cannot do the work that you do or the work that I do. Look, I talk about a lot of issues. And, you know, and, and, you know some of them are land and some of them are culture. Some of them, I mean, I, I, I know that you can't do this work without offending a few people. And, and so the message has to be just what your message is. Look, you, you got to have thick skin. You know, you have to understand that this level of genocide and historical trauma that we all carry with us today, uh, you know, th- that hurt, as you explained it, is is something that you know that we have to we have to confront it all the time, and we're and we confront it because we are we have to acknowledge that we have white people that live all around us. We have their churches, and we have their schools, and we have their their industries, and their and their and their com- commercial streams, and you know, and and of course, all this stuff you know, is something that we have to reconcile as individuals, as we try to carve out our own distinction and our own autonomy with, you know, with a world that has changed all around us. Absolutely. And I mean, like, this is what we strive to do every day to be able to, you know, maintain the presence. Because like I said, it's been, you know, 97 days is a long time to, uh, um, uh, have a lot of time to think about all of those hurts and all of that pain and all of those things. You know, when the when the cops are at the doorstep, like they were, uh, when, like they were yesterday, it's easy to forget about all that hurt and all of that pain and those you know disagreements that we've had in our communities. It's easy to forget when the guns are being pointed at you, but after a hundred days, you get time to think about all of those that you know the last you know however long uh, long a time it is. 
to to start to dwell on some of those old hurts again. And well, so, and, and get angry uh, all over again. I mean, you start reliving the 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 Oka crisis, the in and you know what what you know what, what those folks in Gunnazadaga experienced, what those p- folks in Gunnawaga experienced. The idea that the RCMP yep. and the military came right into our longhouses. I mean, I mean, I realize that many of the people who are, are with you today were just children in 1990, and and so they, but. Once they start hearing the stories, and I've been, I've been doing a series of interviews with some people for a, a, a project that I'm working on, and just listening to it all over again, man, it, it just it gets, your, it gets your blood flowing. And then to know that not only did that happen in 1990, but it's happening, it's happening today still. It is. And I, and I think, like, the, you know, and I got no blame for, you know, anybody in our community that, you know, has hard feelings or whatever against anybody. Because you know what, the governments and the OPP, the RCMP before that, the the British before that, like have looked for every crap possible to drive wedges in our mm-hmm. And so for us to uh, whatever uh, bit that we can to uh, to say no to development, to say no to uh, further uh, divisions being created by the OPP and this in 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 our case here anyways, to say that you know we're not like this OPP violence is not going to be tolerated on Six Nations territory. And I don't care what group or family or faction you come from, we're going to stand by each other and we're gonna hold each other up and we're gonna lift each other's voices in the best way that we know how to. Well and I know it's tough because you know there still are battles that happen in the courts and, and the courts are not places that uh, uh, that we ever really find justice even even when you know a ruling goes our way it usually has you know something else that goes along with it that that you know can be like their own trojan horse that they uh, they leave on our doorstep so so it's tough and, and i'm not begrudging the fact that you guys are are still fighting a legal fight here but understanding that you know, there's a big difference between justice and equity. And when you consider that they create the laws and they can do the injunctions and they, you know, they dictate to the the, the police, whether it's the OPP or the RCMP or, in, in, you know, going back to OCA when they actually unleashed the military, they know that we are going to they're, they're, that we are going to resist. I mean, it's, it's kind of it, it is in, in our DNA. And, and the fact is that. Their court systems have a difficult time accommodating us. And, and it's the same thing on the U.S. side. Because here's the thing. If, if they have to recognize us as sovereigns, and, and which is something we always talk about, if they have to do that, then they have to acknowledge that their courts are not, a, and their courts are only for people they have jurisdiction over. And, and as much as we get dragged into these things, we keep maintaining that you guys, you guys are asserting an unlawful authority. And, and that's, you know, so even as we play this game, we know that we're not going to find justice in that system. And, you know, I, I heard I had a caller on my show in New York the, the one day ask me, well, you know, where when do you what about this crossing the line into vengeance and revenge and away from justice? And I'm thinking, look, you know, sometimes this, this idea of payback or equity doesn't conform to i mean i'm not saying it's revenge or vengeance but it certainly doesn't conform to the powers that be in their idea of justice and so this is the real challenge and and i think when you have an entire community that's that's standing behind you and 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 all these other native communities standing behind you 
Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys are, are, are holding your ground. But regardless of what happens on, an, a, on a specific patch of land, every bit of resistance that we demonstrate, it, it further encourages more resistance. And, you know, I always talk about the legacy after, after Oka and Ganazadage and the fact that, that you represent a younger generation than me and that there's kids, you know, you're calling a 20-year-old a kid. These are, this is what we're seeing. <laughs> we're seeing the next generations, those guys that we're handing the torch off to on a daily basis that are saying, no, hell no. I'm, 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 in fact, I don't expect them to do what we did. I expect the next generation to do more than we did. And, you know, and that's why we, we have hope for the future. And this is it. I mean, I, and I raised my kids the very same way. And we're not going to, you know, let, you know, my, my kids have, uh, you know, grew up, um, you know, hearing the stories and, and, uh, you know, knowing what, uh, what, what this looks like, what this feels like. And, you know, my wife and I have, uh, have uh, done this work for, you know, most of our lives and are, are going to continue this. You know, there's nothing that the, the, the courts or uh, the cops or, the, you know, anybody is going to dissuade us from understanding and feeling and knowing what our rights are. And, our, and uh, that connection that we as Haudenosaunee people are certainly have to our lands. Like our lands are, are, are part of who we are. And so if we are going to make that stand, whatever that stand may be, uh, it needs to be respected by whether that be Canada or Ontario and certainly by this joke of a uh, Mayor Ken Hewitt, who is the mayor of Haldeman County, who has uh, been inflaming the situation by calling us terrorists and uh, um, encouraging the OPP to target my family and... Uh, and so, yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite the quite the time for uh, certainly my kids to feel uh, what this is like, and for them to be kind of called out as, and and have the OPP encouraged to target them is how they they they've taken the uh, uh, mayor's uh, comments. And so to have my daughter uh, come and ask me like, am I going to get am I going to get arrested, Dad? Because they want you so bad. Like, like this is a, 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 a horrible thing for a you know fourteen year old daughter to come and ask her dad. Well, and 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 unfortunately, this is the kind of the 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 way that they work. I, I you know, look, I, I, when I was going through, through much of my early days and my battles with not just court, but, uh, you know, prison and, and all of it, I remember a probation officer who was threatening to, to lock me back up one day. He said, and, and I told him, I said, you can lock me back up. I can do that time standing on my head. And he says, yeah, but what about your family? So he knew, even as he was threatening me, that it was actually a threat against the welfare of my family. And he was so arrogant that we, he would actually bring that up. I mean, it's one thing for us to think it and to, and to know it, but to have these, these white men literally say, yeah, yeah, you might be tough, but I know how to hurt your family. And, and, that's, and that's just it. And, and look, it is, a, it is a tough conversation to have, to have with, your, with your daughter, I mean, uh, or your child. But, you know, this is, this is where the preparation comes in. And, and it sounds like you're doing, doing an excellent job in your community, but also with your family. And, 
And, you know, and the biggest thing that our kids need to know is that, that we are going to we're we are defending them. That part of what we're doing every day is about the defense of the future. And we aren't going to look to the future and ignore the, uh, you know, our, our kids right in front of us at the same time. That's that, that's just not the way we're built. So, you know, I think your, your kids and, and the kids of that community uh, who do feel like their parents are in jeopardy have to know that, uh, you know, that as, as a community, we're going to we're going to defend them, even if they get dragged into the in, in, into the dispute, um, you know, beyond, you know, beyond their years, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think uh, certainly for my kids, they, they're all well aware of what what it is. Uh, and there's always that conversation with my daughters before uh, I come and do any of this kind of work is, uh, you know, like there's like the OPP have been known to uh, to target people and to. To, to kill people that are, are, are doing this kind of stuff. And, you know, my youngest daughter, she'll cry and give me a big hug and she'll say that she's proud of me and, and you know, encourage me to keep on going. And, you know, the rest of them will, you know, give me big hugs. And, you know, it's, it's certainly a sad conversation, but at the same time they understand the resolve that people like me have when uh, we're able to make that stand and make that stand together. Uh, it doesn't matter with, with anybody threatens us with our freedoms or, you know, our, our safety. We know that when we stand together, that we are unstoppable. Well, and, and the beauty and the beauty is being able to defend your lands while at, at home. I mean, and, you know, I always, you know, have to remind people that, you know, we get to go home. I mean, when, when we're defending, you know, a front line, we can still have a hot meal and go home. Now, we may not go home every single night, but... You know, and this is the thing, you know, that you, you almost have to, um, you know, emphasize with the police that are there, you know, is how miserable their lives are and how their government is putting is using them. And and I don't I don't, you know, feel guilty at all when, when I'm calling down the cops for what what they have, you know, allowed themselves, how they've allowed themselves to be used. Look, we're not going to a foreign land to defend, you know, uh, an, an ideal. We're defending our our homes at home. And, you know, and that's that gives us a tremendous advantage. Not only do we know the lay of the land better than they do. But like I said, we we get the constant reassurance and the uh, you know and the support from from our loved ones. Uh, I don't know that those those cops can can make that same claim. And certainly these politicians, it's a, it's a real irony that somebody at the level of a mayor can can you know continue to do this thing. I think about the mayor of Oka, and now you got the mayor of this uh, of this. And how do these how do these these people you know ever get? entrusted with enough uh, power to cause this level of disruption it's it's incredible no and i mean like this is exactly it right and i think it it, it's it speaks very loudly to the uh the systemic problem that we're dealing with you know it's 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 quite easy when you know racism and uh all of that is is kind of spoken out spoken about behind closed doors but when that racism is right in your face at the point of a gun um uh, I think it's it it, it 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 speaks very loudly to the fact that uh, that that racism and uh, that prejudice is alive and well uh, across Turtle Island. Well, and, and here's the thing: in order for somebody to be in a position where they're willing to pull the trigger 
uh, whether it's a, a shotgun with rubber bullets or, or, or whatever, even even a taser. Do you realize that how much they've had to dehumanize us to 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 be to get to that point? I mean, because look, we're not pointing gun at them. They're doing this stuff to treat us like animals. So when we talk about racism, just the idea that that a, that a police officer or somebody representing that government is justified in doing in, in this level of violence. And again, I, I mentioned to you on the phone earlier, it was in the news just the other day about this judge who cleared a police officer of all charges after he beat a black man to death with, with those, those gloves that have the reinforced knuckles with weights and, uh, and, and plates in it. He beat this, this person to death by punching him in the head and the face. And the judge cleared him up. this wasn't a jury this was not you know, a, a, a trial this was a judge who literally can make this these these unilateral, unilateral decisions in spite of the fact that racism is such a prevalent part of, uh, uh, of again the systemic racism is such a big part of not just the the the, the police force but the ju- the judicial system and the prison system i mean and and it, it, they I mean, shame on Canada. I mean, especially here, they've got one major conflict that is making all the news up in Nova Scotia. They've got this ongoing conflict that that is happening uh, with you at, at, at 1492 Landback Lane, and uh, you still got you know the folks in Tandanega who are. are Constantly demonstrating support. The folks in Kahnawake demonstrating support. You got the the Wet'suwet'en conflict still going on, and 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 Canada just. It's almost like you know when, when I think about these cops, even on the U.S. side, with all of the heightened awareness about uh, the this this use of force, the cops just keep doing it. They just keep doing it over and over and over again. It's embedded in the way that they they view um, an enemy. And I think that's exactly it. And uh, when we've been degraded to the fact that, to the point where, you know, this, you know, kind of animalistic kind of thought of who we are as people, I think uh, that that's exactly what it is. And you know what, I, the the thought that comes that came to me this morning as I saw the sun come up uh, over the uh, barricade across the road mm. was, uh, I wonder what Justice Harper is thinking as he woke up this morning and I wonder if, if this is what he thought was going to happen when he made a decision that would see land claims uh, uh, you know 250 year old land claim extinguished by by the by the swing of his gavel and uh, and to see roads dug up and highways shut down and railways shut down and roads shut down and uh, massive uh, police um, uh, pressure and I, I just it it, it, it struck me as uh, as quite the thing for uh, this this judge to be able to have that power to be able to to, to make that happen and I, I, I wondered what he thought when he woke up this morning watching the news seeing uh, heavy equipment rolling down the highway mm. it's it, uh, well, and, and, and you know, this doesn't stop with, you know, with defending a parcel of land. This, you know, when we talk about the systemic nature of the racism that gets involved in the police and the Justice Department and, uh, you know, law enforcement and, and all of that stuff, this is why we have missing and murdered Indigenous women. It's, it's because they could view us as something that is less than them. 
And, you know, so all of this stuff is related. And, and, and again, you talk about this, this hundred years, hundreds of years of hurt and, you know, and, and at some point, you know, we won't, we say no more, you know, so we, and, and that's what you guys are doing. And, and that's why I, I believe there, you're going to continue to generate such support for, for the position you guys are taking. And, you know, and, and again, these judges and these politicians and these law enforcement, uh, you know, personnel, they've got to live with this themselves on this stuff. You know, I, you know, I may worry about my children, but I don't have to worry about my conscience. And that's what I hope. And, and I know that's kind of what you were, what you were just talking about. I hope these guys, you know, have some tormented nights as their conscience uh, comes back to haunt them for some of the, the things that they are, uh, are you know, promoting. Absolutely. You know what? I, I, it, I struggle to, to believe that every, every one of these cops is, you know, the enemy. Like I don't, I, 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 it's not within me to feel that kind of hate for somebody. And so I'm, uh, regardless of, you know, what we've been through as a community here and, and all that, you know, I've got no hate for anybody, but I, I, I wish for understanding and I wish for education for these people. And I wish that they would understand that there's nothing that they can do. There's nothing, there's no, you know, there's no gun big enough to make me go home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, Scott, again, I want to, I want to thank you so much for, for giving me so much of your time. Um, And like I said, we will post up whatever information you and I will stay in touch um, as things move. We don't know what, we don't know what every, what each day holds in in this thing, but uh, you know, you guys are not that far from, from, you know, where I, where I live here in Cataraugus. And, uh, um, I know a lot of people go back and forth and, uh, you know, yep, we, we, su- do. we support what you're doing. And, uh, and, you know, again, my, my thoughts go to, to every one of you that are there and to all of your children. So, you, you know, stay safe Thanks as you can and, uh, and we'll stay in touch. Uh, Thanks I again. Hope, I that call out. I hope when I make that call out that the cops are, are at the door again, <laughs> that, uh, uh, yourself and, and and people like me like you will uh, will answer that call because uh, this is going to this is this, this isn't over by any stretch of the imagination here. That's and that's the truth. All right, Skyler Williams from fourteen ninety two Landback Lane in Six Nations, uh, my guest and uh, my and and I'm so grateful to to his time. Thank you. Uh, thanks. For, uh, thanks for the time. Uh, that's that's it for the show. We'll um, this is a special broadcast of Let's Talk Native, a Friday night broadcast. Uh, be sure to share, share this program and uh, and help spread the word. Yahweh. <laughs>